Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Praise the Lord. Uh, I don't know because there's so much of false assessment at this moment. I don't know about you. And for me, it's only unfortunate that those who are supposed to really receive this word today, some of them are not here. It's quite unfortunate, I would say. But if you are sincere to yourself, you'll be able to have a good assessment and to know that of a truth I am not growing. Whatever dimensions you should be able to know I am not growing. There's no question, no two ways about that. And so <laughs> I don't know. But it's heavy. It's heavy. Something that we, we're gonna go back home and, and think about and, and pray about and seek the face of God earnestly um, which way to go. Praise God. I say praise the Lord. I've mentioned several areas and I know the areas where I'm not growing right now. I know them. You should be able to know. Amen? Okay. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We ask for wisdom. We ask for understanding. We ask for revelation. And with the mind of God of glory, you grant us a fleshly heart to receive these instructions. We're dealing with the issue of growth. That God degrades. That will enable us to function in that dimension will be released to us as we progress in these meetings. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. My own section I'm going to be talking about the attitude of a pastor towards a flock in church growth. While you're growing, what should be your attitude? What should be your spirit, you know, towards the flock? Attitude of a pastor towards just growth. Because you see, Jesus had a way of relating to the people that were coming to him. Even the more they were expanding. For example, like when the, the 5,000, one of the major things that flowed out of Jesus was compassion. So it's important that you as a minister should have certain cultural attributes with which you relate. Now, when we talk about pastors here, I want to include leaders. I want to include deacons. Uh, I want to include um, unit leaders. Whatever class you are, you are a pastor to those people. You are a leader to that group. I want to include fathers in your home. You're a pastor in your own home. Because early times, you found that the parents were priests first before God appointed the Levites. The fathers were the priests. They were the ones that were offering up the land for the people. So I'm dealing with leadership as a whole. Alright, let's look at First Peter chapter 1 verse 1 Peter 5 verse 1 rather. 1 Peter 5 verse number 1. Amen. First Peter 5 verse number 1. The elders which are among you I exhort who are also an elder. Am I together with you? Right. And a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that should be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint but by willingly, not by fatal luck, but of a ready mind. Your primary goal in what you are doing is feeding the sheep. Money is not why you are a pastor. Primarily, that is not why you are a pastor. It's not money. The money will come, but you're not pastoring because of money. It has to be willing. Now, if you are willing, there has to be, like Paul would talk to the Matinona church, a performance. 
If you have a willing heart for the work you are doing, you will perform. It's just like I've been told now. If you are truly willing, then you are going to be driven with this issue of growth. A willing heart. But implication, nothing is pushing you. In other words, money is no reason why you should be willing to do what you are supposed to be doing. Your performance is not tied to resources. It's not tied to money. It's just your life. It's an assignment. A ready mind. Mind that is prepared to work. So, you're willing, you're ready. Then you perform. Hallelujah. Neither have been lost over God's heritage. I'm always very concerned about this. You are not a boss. You are a pastor. You are not called to lord it over God's people. They are God's heritage, not yours. So your attitude towards them is very vital. Be an example to who? To the flocks. Amen. Praise the Lord. The people belongs to God. I have always said this. So when you are dealing with the church, we are dealing with the congregation, know that you are actually dealing with what belongs to God. And your life should be an example unto them. Praise the living God. Are we together? Amen? Alright. I'm going to move a little bit fast. One thing is simple. God hates proud people. Don't let pride get into your head as a pastor in dealing with the flock. Don't let pride get into your head. God hates it. Amen? Praise the Lord. Okay. Go with me to Luke 13 and verse number 10. Luke 13 verse number 10. And the Bible says, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Verse 11, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit infirmity, 18 years, and was bowed together, and could no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and said unto her, Woman, that loose from thy infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to walk, and they dare have come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord they answered him and said, Hypocrite, that are not one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or his ox from the stall, and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound, lose these eighteen years, but lose from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that they were that were done by him. Praise the living God. The point I want to raise is this: the ruler of the synagogue loved law and religion more than the souls that are in the church. Remember, this man had been coming. I mean, this man had been coming to the meeting. She must be a regular attendant. But the pastor is not bothered about her condition. He's more concerned about you coming to church. He's more concerned about you filling the seat. He's more concerned about activities, not your welfare. That is no pastoring. I don't know if you're getting this. He got angry because his own church member was healed. And he's referencing the law and the activity of the church more than the welfare of the individual. So you can't be pastoring people and not having their welfare at heart. It's not possible. You are not doing the work. 
Praise the living God. Whether small or large. That if it is large, that's why you have unit, self fellowship, and so on and so forth. To be able to reach out to know the welfare of the people. Here is the ruler of the synagogue. This is not the first time this woman is coming to this place. Bound 18 years. Right? For Jesus to say 18 years, that woman, this woman will be faithful for 18 years in service. Without oppression on her life. But the church was not bothered. They were more concerned about how many times you've been to church, how many times you have not been to church. You, I mean, maybe have you paid your dues? You understand what I'm talking about? Right. And then programs. Oh, you were not uh, regular in the program we had. We just finished three, three days uh, fasting and prayer. And then the next week we are doing uh, seven days. Uh, you know, you understand that. All the activities. You oppress people with short activities and laws and regulations, but you don't care for their welfare. That is not the spirit of Christ. Are we still here? Praise the living God. So religion doesn't care for what the folks are going through. That's religion. It doesn't care for what the folks are going through. They are more interested in what the cross can produce and give to them than the welfare of the people. And that is why I found out this pastor was angry. But don't forget, with this woman bend down low as it were, she must have been faithful in her offering. For that it is. Maybe there's a record being kept. They will check the record this woman didn't give offering this week. With all the oppression that she was going through. I don't know if you're getting this. That's religion. And this is very, very important as far as God is concerned. Luke chapter 4, verse 21. Remember, I'm talking of attitude of the pastor towards the flock in church growth. Luke 4, 21. For instance, like we just said now. If, if somebody is having an issue and you, you're able to take care of the issue, that individual may go out to tell somebody else to come to the church. My problem was solved in that church. That witnessing will bring in the growth you're looking for. I know there are social gospel, but that is the effect, the ripple effect of the social gospel of giving material things. You understand that? We know there's a ministry around there now that is already doing, I think, four, four, four services on Sunday. Not up to two years because they have enough to give. Now, that's not exactly what I'm talking about. But I'm saying the effect of taking care of your people, healing, whatever the case may be, have a ripple effect of increasing the church. Amen? Luke chapter 4 verse 21. The Bible says, and he began to say unto them, This day this scripture fulfilled in your ears, and all bear, wit- bear witness. I wonder at the gracious words, that's what I want you to pick, which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? Gracious words. The key word there is gracious words. Now go to Ecclesiastes 10, verse 12. The Bible said, the words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. Therefore, as a pastor, the question you ask yourself, even as a leader, is, what are your words like? Because your words are meant to be gracious. That is, that you carry grace. They should be edifying when you preaching, how are your tones, intonation, emphasis? How is it like? Is it what water down the spirit of the people? Is it what breaks them up? I mean, how gracious are your words as a preacher? The words of Jesus were gracious. And Solomon is saying to us that a wise man's words are what? Gracious. So you need to check when you're talking to people. A, a lot of people really can leave you when your words are hot. You see, the ministry of John was very unique, like my is saying. Very unique. That was a specific grace. You, you preach like John, you lose the whole people. Jesus didn't preach like John. I don't know if you're getting what I'm talking about. 
Now, what he said was very vital. He was in the wilderness. And all because there is unique grace that was in his life to be able to do that. So you can't say, oh, you see what John was saying, therefore, oh, you are not going to grow your church. Jesus' words were gracious. The only people that Jesus was hot with were actually the Pharisees, religious people. I don't know if you are following what I'm saying. Good. So how do you address your church people? How do you address the members? <laughs> I remember when, when we started in those days, fire was burning left and right, and we said, we don't want to call me a God, we don't care, whatever, you know. I said that. Praise the living God. But that was no message. That was not the gospel. Jesus wants all men to come. So why will you be sending some away? And you forgot that when you use such words, actually it vibrates in the spirit and people pick it. So indirectly, in a way, you're sending people away from your church without knowing it, you end up thinking it's the devil, but it's your words. Because your words you are justified by your word you are condemned. I don't need crowd, I don't need all the people. And if you want to go, go. If you want to stay, stay. You are doing nothing. The words of a minister should be gracious. Praise the living God. And that brings in the people. That helps people to come. They just love you. They love the way you talk to them. Somebody say, you mean we should pet see? That is not what I'm talking about. But even if you want to preach, who was that fire preacher and does it? You preach that, it doesn't make sense. How did Jesus preach? That somebody did something and maybe... For me, it's not a standard. Jesus is the standard. There is a way you rebuke sin, it goes away without you being hurt. Let me give you a simple challenge today. Get mad with any of your members, send the person out, and watch for two weeks. If that person will not be an elder in another church. I don't forget what I'm talking about. Right now, the season that we are, just try that. Rebuke and send the person. I mean, remember, send the person. I'm talking of a member. Send the person in the name of discipline. Right? Give yourself two, three weeks. Go to the next church. The person is an elder there. It was a member here, but an elder there. I, I don't know if you get what I'm saying. It's typical. We address issues, but with gracious words. And it can sink in more than when you, when you, when you slap people with your words. Praise the living God. Words of a wise man's mouth. You know, everything that proceeds from his mouth is decent and orderly, creditable to himself, and acceptable to those who hear him. It's so important that the words you speak, they, they, they describe a lot of credibility. They kind of credit you here. I mean to yourself. It gives you an image. It gives you a particular posture before your hearers. Is that okay? And these words are the words that are acceptable. They are acceptable to the one that are hearing them. There's a way you can talk to somebody about attitude that is not right. It could be soft, gentle. The person will pick it and change you on the day. Praise the living God. Jesus was we are what? Gracious. And God intended us to go that way. Praise the living God. Okay. Mighty 1727. I'm just picking a few things. Mighty 20. 1727. Praise God. Um, okay, let me just quickly. Sorry, let me take this before I go to my two. Go to Second Corinthians ten, verse number eight. Second Corinthians ten, verse number eight. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord has given us for edification, and not for what your destruction. I should not be what ashamed. Our authority is for the edification of the people. That is why the words we speak are gracious. They carry grace. That edifies the people. That strengthens the people. That elevates the people. That causes them to grow. Spiritually speaking. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. Again, Second Corinthians twelve verse seven. I'm trying to see if I can package my section for one so that we can take more from from him. Second Corinthians twelve verse seventeen. Did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent unto you? I desire Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make gain of you? Walk we not in the same spirit? Walk we not in the same steps? You can think here that we excuse ourselves unto you. We speak before God in Christ. But we do all things, dearly beloved, for what? Your edifying. That is the key point. Anything you do, whether you're raising offering, whether it has to edify the people. Your authority as a pastor is for edification. You have all the power, you have all the grace, but it's for edification, to edify the people. Praise God. Uh, let me read this from the New Living Translation in a, in a way. 2 Corinthians 12, 17 now. But others will think, still think I was sneaky or took advantage of you by trickery. But how did any of the men I sent to you take advantage of you? This is so important. Don't take advantage of the flock. You mustn't take advantage of the people. Amen. He said, when our titles visit you and send our other brother with him, the titles take advantage of you, no, for we have the same spirit and walk in each other's self, doing things the same way. Praise God. And this is also very important for leaders that are having branches, churches that are having branches. It has to be the same spirit, the same way. But as you think we are saying this thing just to defend ourselves, no, we tell you this as Christ's servant, and we God as our witness, everything we do, dear friend, is to strengthen you. Edification. Amen? You don't use tricks to raise money. You don't use tricks to make people give. You don't. You, you don't. You just, please speak to edify. Let your word be gracious. Communicate plainly. If there is a need in the church, let the people know and let them give as they can, as the Lord enables them. Don't use tricks to raise money from people. I remember when the minister came here sometime to preach. And then um, we told him, I said, Well, we got your hotel ready, and uh, your honorarium is also ready. And then he came and he said, um, then I said, we're booking two nights for you. Not if I arrive after the next meeting, I'm after the meeting the next day, so you leave on Sunday if you want, or Monday. And the guy said, no, I can't leave on Monday. I have to leave around Tuesday. I said, why? He said, because I'm going to raise offering and I make sure I come to the church on Monday morning to make sure I collect the vows. I said, I didn't ask you to come and collect vows. Your honorarium is ready. Your hotel is ready. I didn't ask you to come and raise vows and collect the money. Now in the first place, why do you want to be the one to collect the money? If you raise the money before, it's for the church. You go. Why do people pay? We put in the church first. You don't do that as a minister. But I told him, I won't allow you to do it in my church. It's very simple. You can do it somewhere else, not here. What you have as an honorarium is ready. Your hotel bill is ready. Your feeding is ready. Your transport is ready. Why are you raising funds to collect and stay down for two days to become an accountant to collect money? Who sent you for that one? That's trickery. Praise the living God. Look at First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse number 8. See, we have to be careful about this thing. I made us understand the very beginning. God is going to supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. Is that okay? You don't and you are not a ministry because of how much you can make. In fact, if that is the reason why you are a ministry, you just go back to God and pray. First Thessalonians 2 verse number 8. 
So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also what? Our own souls, because you were dear unto us, impacting our souls. Take it from the simplest translation. I just read. What did I read here? Praise the Lord. Okay, First Thessalonians two verse 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 eight. I said First Thessalonians two verse eight. Take it from another translation. We, are, we love you so much. Oh, okay. We love you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because you have become so dear to us. That's the kind of affection you should have for your members. The kind of affection you should have for your members. You're so dear to us. We, we are not just intended just to preach to you. But to impart our lives unto you. Praise the living God. You see, the typical example Jesus said is so love that he gave. And he said he poured out his soul unto many. And like according to the book of Isaiah, that at the end, his seed shall speak. When you pour out your soul to the people, at the end, it shall speak. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse number 10 Like I said I'm trying to package everything Because I, I feel like just, I just want to do only one section Because what we're dealing with is so vital And I don't want anyone to miss it I pray you stay on Second Timothy 3.10 But thou hast fully known my doctrine Oh glory Manner of life Purpose Faith Long suffering Charity And patience Persecution and affliction which come unto me at Ancho, at Inconium, at Lystra. Which, what persecution I endure, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Now, what I want you to see is the verse number 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine. Can you take it from another translation? A simpler one. Any one you want. Second Timothy 3, verse number 10. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach. How I live, what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my what? My endurance. Can your church members describe you with any of these things? Hallelujah. Come on, are you with me? Look, we're talking about <laughs> church growth, like you mentioned, numerical and whatever the case may be. But I'm talking of attitude of a pastor towards the church members in relation to church growth. Can your church member describe you in any of this manner? Do they know what you teach? Because you have confused people because you yourself don't even know what you're teaching. Your church people can identify you with what you believe. Look at what he said. Timothy suddenly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. Critical. What is your purpose? Does your church members know why you are existing, what you are living for? Praise the living God. This is a, a resume of Apostle Paul that his members can testify to. So what, 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 I mean, I'm asking, does your member know anything like this? Can they describe you? Can they, can they say what your purpose in life is? Some of you don't even know what your purpose is. Some of you don't even know what you are doing. You just bear the name title, I mean, a pastor. You just bear the title, but people can identify you as to what you're living for, what your faith really is, what you believe. They can't identify with you in that regard. You just carry the title. That's not supposed to be. Hallelujah. Are we still here? And so, in Hebrew 13 verse 7, the word says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Can you take it from that translation? 
Concerning the end of these people. Now, if your people can identify with you, if they don't know your purpose, how can they be thinking about your lifestyle to follow? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. What faith do you have that people are going to imitate as a pastor? You see, it is in the dimension of this attitude and character that your child grows spiritually. This is beyond numerical growth now, but spiritual growth. They know the purpose. They know why you are living. They know what you are living for. They know what you teach. Now they say, follow the example of these people. So I'm asking, do you have what people should follow? Praise God. I have an example here to give to you. Now I'm not saying hide up when you have some issues. But I just want to make you understand how your life affects the members or bring the member down. How the words you speak, how the life you live, how the faith you profess, either edifies or bring them down. Now here was a pastor. The member, the mother of this child, the child was sick. And then he wanted to take the child to the pastor. And he spoke to the child and the boy said, but pastor is not well. And the mother said, oh, so why go to somebody who is sick to pray for my sick child? <laughs> The faith of the woman instantly did what dropped. Whether you like it or not, men are looking unto you. Your faith either takes them up or brings them down. Instantly, the faith of that woman dropped. So, should we hide it from the members if we are not well? I would say the parents. But largely, people's faith can't stand when your faith is not standing. Do you understand that? And such an individual could move to another church for prayers. Where he has not had information, the pastor is sick. Now he has faith that that pastor who is not sick can heal the child. But her own pastor who is sick cannot heal her sick child. I mean, you understand what I'm talking about? So, it's when we talk about the faith follow. It's so important. You be careful what you say, what you do, how you live your life. It's so important. If you want your church to grow. Because if such a woman goes to somebody else and you pray for the child, the child got healed. What's going to happen? You're going to stay there. I remember when we were over there, when we started those days. There was a woman close by. And then um, this woman was having problem. The children were as, as Saba. Having serious problems. She can't even walk and all that. Um, it's, it's brother Tony who actually evangelized. He walked to this woman saw the woman... And they came and told me, there's a woman there we sick. She needs prayers. And I went out to pray for the woman. The woman got healed. And the next Sunday, she was coming to the church. And people say, ah, you going to that man's church? Say yes. No, 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 no. Look for another church. The woman say, ah, another church. There have been churches all over this place when I've been sick in the house. Nobody came to me. This man healed me. I don't care what he's teaching. Whatever he's teaching is fine by me. I'm going there because that's where I got my healing. I mean, it's practical. They went on the road and was holding this woman. Two men came, stood on the junction of our street. Don't go to that church. You might say, that is where I'm going to. All of you have been in this street when I've been sick. Nobody healed me. I don't know if you got what I'm talking about. So this is so important. You must know the faith you carry, how you relate to the people, and what the people know and hear about you. Either your faith is going to take them up or bring them down. And once your faith brings them down, they are moving to another place. Praise God. Are we still here? Okay. Let me show you this now. I'm sure I'll be able to finish. <sighs> you actually raise sons from your ministry. You see, we, we've come to the place today where anybody that maybe even like your Facebook page is your spiritual son. Hmm? They know nothing about you. You see what Paul was writing to Timothy? They know nothing about you because they like, they like your, your posts on Facebook. Now it's your spiritual son. So you have spiritual son all over the place. If, even those in your church 
who have not even understood your life, they are still your spiritual son. Deception. Proverbs 29 verse 21. He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at the length. Take it from a simpler translation. Any other one you want. Proverbs 29 21. A servant pampered from childhood will become a rebel. This is not exactly what it is supposed to be. Take it from maybe New King James or any other translation. If a man pampers his servant from youth, he will bring grief in the end. Is that okay? Now, there is a difference between pampering your child and becoming a rebel and actually raising the child and becoming a son. I don't know if you got what I'm talking about. I need to get you the balance. And it's very important. Now, it's also important that there is a way you raise your child or which can be your servant and what's the next thing? He becomes an heir unto you. I'll give you an example to that. Exodus 15 verse 1. After this thing, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, and the sheet and thy silicate reward. And Abraham said, Lord, what will thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is what? My heir. This is when God now finally told him, You are going to get Isaac. But what am I trying to make you understand? The child you raise, the members you raise, become your heir. That is true sons are people you raise within your house. They are the people you have impacted your life. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying here. Praise the living God. The people you have impacted, transmitted your life into... They are the one that truly becomes what? Your heir. Meaning, they take your life, they take your message, they take your, your vision, and they run with it. Whenever they want to go or they are going, they take that which they have. They are truly sons in the house. Praise the living God. Are we still here? All right. Now let me show you another thing, because it's very powerful here. In terms of raising sons, that you can truly call sons. First Kings 16, I mean 6 verse number 1. First Kings chapter 6 verse number 1. Praise the Lord. No, that's not what I'm looking for. Am I looking at 16? Second Kings, check Second Kings for me, let me see. I'm talking about Elisha. Second Kings 6 verse number 1. I'm sorry. Let's look at it on Second Kings. Praise the Lord. Okay. And the sons of the prophet said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. What I mean is, is too small. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan and take thence every man a beam and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servant. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to Jordan, they called on wood. But as one was falling a beam, the ass fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, alas, master, for it was borrowed. Look at this. Short growth now. Who are the people who are actually intending to cause the ministry of Elisha to expound his sons? True sons will cause your ministry to grow. Do you understand this? True sons will cause your ministry to grow. They know the vision, they know what you believe, they know what you teach, and they will so drink into the system that they want what you are doing to expound. These are true sons. So when you are ministering to the church, minister with the intention of raising sons who can take your ministry forward. Like Maxwell was saying, 
either numerically or as the case may be, or outside of the environment. Sons are the one that does that. So you pour your life, like Paul was saying, pouring my life onto you people because we love you dearly. In return, what will they do? They will take your ministry. Think about this. Here are sons who are out to borrow just for the sake of somebody's ministry. And I will tell you how much committed they were to the ministry of Elisha. They went to borrow. Now, can your member go borrow money just because there's a project in the church? And that's how much I'm, I mean, you should be able to know whether you have sons or not. Have you come to the place in the ministry where people, I'm not talking of just wanting to give, but they're saying, Pastor, we must do this. It goes to witnessing, we must do this. Printing of track, we must do this. I mean, they don't have the money and they go borrow the money. Here is the money. You just like Barnabas. Selling the land and bringing money to the apostles. These are true sons. And when you raise true sons this way, they will expand your ministry. And that's exactly what you find here in the case of Elisha. Praise the living God. Alright. Let me show you our reading, Mike 3, 17, 27. Let me take that again. I'm almost rounding up. I promise you I'm taking one section and I want to finish it. You like that? Hallelujah. Let's go to, um, did I say Matthew 17 initially? Let's go to Matthew 17, 27. This is very critical. Dealing with sons. Okay. You know, here was, they asked Peter, does your master pay tax? So now we stand and let us, let you offend them, go down to the sea and cast a hook and take up the fish. Uh, the first come up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that take and give unto them for me and for thee. First fish, seek it for the kingdom of God. First fruit, tithe, I don't know. You can think about that. Why would Jesus say the first fish that comes out? It is a fish. It has to be first fish. There is something specific about the first. Right? But here is what I want to say. Jesus would have struggled waiting for money to come from somewhere else to pay the tax. How did he pay the tax? From his own house. He didn't call for partners. I don't know if I'm getting that. He said, when you raise sons, the money doesn't have to come from outside. It comes from inside. I know of ministries in this country, I don't want to mention them, that I know that whatever partner sent to them is not compared to resources from the house. So you should raise your members to be financially stable and strong so that you will not lack Jesus didn't call for offering somewhere. He didn't didn't call for partnership. He didn't have to test some people. No. From within the house, the money for the taxation was paid. Some of us are stuck because we don't have sons, yes, who are financially strong. Remember Max mentioned it? One of the areas of growth is financial growth. I don't know if you're getting that. And this is the effect of financial growth. That you, the minister, will not be looking outside to borrow money to do things. The money was paid from the house. <laughs> Are you still with me? And that is very, very critical. Everybody has to pray for that. Everybody has to pray for that. Amen? You know, when we build this facility, it was from within the house. No dying came from outside. It was when we almost finished that I got an offering from I think South Africa, right? 400,000. But then the building was already done. Is that okay? It has to be from the house. It's not that we don't have partners. Surely we, you will have partners. Why not? You definitely have partners. But if you can raise your sons in the house to become mega sons, <laughs> in quote. I don't know if I'm getting that. I mean, it's, it's easy. It's easy. The ministry will be sweet. It's just I didn't have to struggle. Even like Luke 10 you read. Isn't Luke 10? Right. Luke 8. You know, all the people ministering, they were the people that Jesus have healed and done one thing or the other. Two. 
They were sons and daughters to Jesus Christ. That's what makes ministry sweet. The finances come from those, hallelujah, that you have impacted and transmitted your life into. You don't have to be looking outside all the time for money. No. And that is why the grace for healing all of those things must come. You've got to function in those things. Because if you dare heal somebody, the first guy I drove in this city was given to me by somebody who was not in my ministry. Then my wonderful sister there was still teaching in the secondary school and all that. I don't, that guy will have no car in the ministry. But this person was sick, was in the hospital. He attended one of the big churches. They've been praying for him. Nothing happening. And then I was called to go and pray. I went and prayed. He said, he would discharge, go back, discharge, go back, and they called me to go pray. I went there to pray. The second day, he left the hospital, very strong and healthy, and he came in to meet me. With about 50,000, in fact, he went to honor me. He was a big politician. He went to honor me, and then he came, brought the envelope, and look at that. I blessed him, thank God for his life, and he was going back. And then he asked the wife, would you see any car in this compound? Does the man have a car? And the wife said, you have no car. Say, no, 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 no. It can't happen. It can't happen. This man must drive a car. The fourth Jota, Jetta I bought, he paid. I don't know if I get in that. The third Jetta, the very first vehicle I bought in ministry, is somebody who paid when I minister healing unto the individual. Resources will come. Let growth be made manifest in this dimension. Lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. That spiritual growth, you don't play with it, is so vitally important. Are you there with me? Alright, let's try to round up. Am I helping anybody? Yeah, we're talking about growth and what we should do to grow. Alright, look out with me. Um, Proverbs 27 verse 23. 27-23, I'd like us to read it from the King James and then the Message Translation. Be that diligent to know the state of their flocks and look well to their heads. <laughs> this is so much a strong word. The state of your flock. Is that really connected to what I'm saying? What is the condition of the people you're ministering to? How is their spiritual life? How is their financial life? Why are they not making progress? In all realms. Know the state of your flock. Did you get that? Look at verse 24. <laughs> for riches are not forever. And though that crown endure to every generation. Oh, no glory. Your authority, does it extend to every generation? Does it move forward? Does it grow? Does it expand? They had apparent and the tender grass showed itself and herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for their clothing and the gold, the prize of the field. And thou shalt have gold, meat enough for thy food, for the food of the household and for the maintenance of the maidens. When you take care of your flock, resources will come. Praise the living God. So financial growth comes through taking care of your flocks. Did you get that? Take it from message translation. I love this scripture all the time. I try to meditate on it. And that is what drives me to pray for the members of the church. Message translation. Know your sheep by name. How to do by identity. How to do the condition. Know them by name. Don't minister to people that you can't fully identify with. You say, what about the church growth a thousand? That is why you have cell houses or cell units. You will still be able to reach out to the people through the cell groups. Amen? Praise the living God. Carefully attend to your flock. Carefully attend to your flock. Carefully do that. Household, fathers, leaders, deacons, Head of unit, carefully attend to them. Don't take them for granted. Hallelujah. Possession don't last forever, you know. <laughs> that means there are times when things begin to come down. The implication of this is those who take care of, they will raise you up. Praise God, somebody. Come on, are you following what I'm talking about? 
Hallelujah. And then when the crops are in and the harvest is stored in the barns, you can knit sweaters from lamb's wool and sell your gold for profit. The one you care for. Are you getting that? There will be plenty of milk and meat to last your family through the winter. Do you know? You pass in and your family can barely feed. They might be questioning the God you are serving. I don't ever get in this. And so this is so important. I am saying just like Jesus paid tax from his own flock. Even so, God has required that the people you are ministering to will take care of you. Amen? I mean, what, what will it be if you ministering and tension and stress are on your life? You know when you come by, you're going to pour those stress on the people. Your language will not carry grace like we read before. Because poverty is speaking. Your child just fought you. Your wife spoke roughly to you because there was no food in the house. Your head is not correct anymore. All of those angers you come in, you pour into the church. That's why there's a need for you. When you minister to the people, pray that God will bless them. By the time they are rich, by the time they are sufficiently blessed financially, you shall be blessed financially. There is no two ways about that. No member, I want to be sincere with you, no genuine member want to see his parcel not feeding well or not get clothed well. No genuine member will do that. Especially if they have the resources. Unless they are just wicked. But there are very few who can go to that level. So what am I saying? Know the state of what? Your flock. That is where your resources is coming from. You're going to have People outside, I have no problem in them. We're going to have partners. I have, I have partners. I have one in the U.S. very consistent. I have one in South Africa very consistent. Right? They send me money. Our partners. You understand what I'm saying? Right. But, I don't play with the issue of making sure those in this house are blessed financially. It's always a body. It's always a prayer. Because my beginning in ministry was not with partners. It was members of the local assembly. Everything I ever had. The second car I drove was from the member of the church. Are you following what I'm talking about? So when you raise, just like you raise your children, and then they turn around to bless you, even so, when you raise the members and become financially strong, they are definitely going to bless you. Praise God somebody. I think I'll leave you on that. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.